everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama, and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Today, we are doing things a little bit differently. We have two guests joining us, which to my knowledge, we've never done before aside from panels we've aired, but they both work in the Web3 worlds and they're at a traditional mainstream company, unlike the majority of our guests who work at crypto firms. So I think this will be a fun, refreshing change for Chain Reaction. So without holding out any longer, let me introduce our guest today. We have Patrick Kaminsky. He's the Director of Digital Innovation for Web3 and Metaverse at L'Oreal and Manon Cardiel, Head of Strategy, Planning, and Partnerships within Web3 and Metaverse at L'Oreal. So for many of us, we know L'Oreal for its beauty products. For me, I remember the anti-tear shampoo I used to use as a kid from them. But some of you might not realize that the company is also home to a plethora of brands many of us use, own, and love, like Maybelline, Yves Saint Laurent, Armani, Kiehl's, Valentino, Prada, CeraVe, and more. I'm not going to name them all, but those were the ones I picked out. This means L'Oreal's portfolio ranges from consumer products and luxury brands to professional hair and dermatology products as well. And for context, Patrick is also the leader for Nexus Professional Makeup Gorgeous Dow, which launched in mid-January with hopes of combining the NFT world and the beauty industry in the metaverse. While Manon has worked on the Gorgeous Project, she has also worked on other NFT drops for the company like Mugler and YSL. So I feel like I just threw a lot out there. Patrick and Manon, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. I'm a listener myself and, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and chatting with you. Like you mentioned, I've been working on the Knicks professional makeup team for almost four years now and have been with L'Oreal Group for almost seven. But I've spent the last 12 months really diving deep into Web3. And I'm excited to be here and share a little bit more about Gorgeous with you. Amazing. And Manon, Welcome. Thanks a lot, Jacqueline, for having us. I'm super thrilled to be part of, uh, of this episode with you guys. From my side, I'm working uh, at the L'Oreal Group, as you mentioned, and exploring all these emerging technologies, should it be metaverse, gaming, generative AI, and all the impact that it has on, you know, beauty industry, our consumer journey, what opportunities and risks. So we are conducting a lot of tests, a great test with brands such as the Nix project that we are running with Patrick and other team members because we are a huge internal community tackling this project. But uh, yeah, super thrilled to be with you guys. Yeah, we'll get into all of that shortly. But before that, I want to ask you too, if you could tell me about one of the most interesting people in crypto you've met or talked to in the past 12 months and what did you learn from them? Oof, what a great question. There's so many. We've had, we've been fortunate enough to just meet a lot of incredible people, a lot of thought leaders in the space, not just in Web3, but people kind of like doing a lot of really cool things with NFTs and blockchain and, and metaverse and, you know, AR, VR. It's such a dynamic space with so many brilliant minds that it's hard to narrow it down to one person. For me specifically, I think someone that I admire and um, have learned a lot from is one of our gorgeous advisors, Sebastian Bourget, the co-founder of Sandbox. He's been an incredible asset to us, just a brilliant leader, has a lot of great ideas and just, you know, continue to innovate. So it's been really interesting learning from him and just leaning on him for insights and his expertise. You know what, Patrick, I'm going to name another French guy. Uh, <laughs> from my side, I do think that you're so right, Patrick. There is so many people that are inspiring and we are, we are also very uh, community led and helping each other. So this is really true. But if I'm going to name one is Benoit Pagotto 
one of the co-founders of Artifact, because honestly, the way it approached all Web3 and all these exploration projects is absolutely amazing because it's storytelling first. And everything is all about these four components, you know, one, playability, community, creativity, and ownership, which is for us super inspiring the way they are approaching that and they are so strong within the industry. So for me, it's, yeah, it's my God. All right, there we go. Thank you for sharing that, both of you. And jumping into L'Oreal, the topic of the day, Manon, what made the company want to bring Web3 technology and NFTs and the metaverse and all these buzzwords that we have out there to the world of beauty and consumer brands? Jackie, first, I do think that if you get back to the essence of beauty, you know, beauty is not just aesthetic. Beauty is all about creativity and self-expression. So we are getting back to the core value of that. And I do think that there is some key component, part of Metaverse Web3 and this next chapter of internet that are close from beauty. You know, everything is now powered by culture, community, creativity. And this is also really at the art, at the core of beauty. So We've been digitalizing, you know, and elevating our beauty consumer journey since a long time ago now. We are switching from product to services and now experiences. We move from digitalization to virtualization. We move from 2D to 3D. We move from social followings to communities, digital transformation to data transformation. And right. now I would say that if we are talking about a real consumer journey in our little jargon, as we say in French, we move from offline plus online to now offline plus online plus on-chain. Because, I mean, with all this evolution, the way we are approaching that is that we need to build tomorrow's beauty. And by meaning that, we need to think a bit differently. We need to think beauty as now an experience powered by creativity, powered by self-expression, empowering communities where brand now should be the destination. And this is the way we're approaching that and why we are doing it. What was the process like internally to get this effort off the ground? Because I feel like there was definitely a point, and I'm not saying for L'Oreal, maybe just in general, where, you know, no brands wanted to touch this. Nobody wanted to get into Web3. And then all of a sudden we started to seeing adoption, which is great. But I'm curious what it's like inside, like in the, the corporate rooms. Like, what are they talking about? How did they even feel about this? So basically, it's a true story. It started like two and a half year ago. And basically, it was the beginning of like the rise of gaming after the pandemic. It was starting, you know, to grow within the crypto world. And it was before the craze of, you know, Meta that changed their name and so on and so forth. But basically, we're starting to talk to each other and to identify within the organization a small community of people that were passionate about the topic. And Patrick can tell you that because it's actually where, we, you know, we con connect to each other. Yeah. So. Passionate people started to create their own community of explorer, whatever department, organization, country. And we form a group together and we started to dig in uh, that. And our community get known. So it was really an entrepreneur story. So we had, you know, the green light to start experimenting with brands. And the way we approach that is that we created some projects with brands that are at this core value stuff that we can leverage within Web3 and Metaverse. Because the thing that we are trying to achieve at L'Oreal is not to do like short-term NFT activation, but really to build vision, roadmap, long-term vision, and really 
bring added value because you know an nft for an nft is the thing that we are trying to avoid sometimes we are creating projects in order to learn because we are doing stuff internally a lot in order to get to know about it and technically how does that work but it's not the project that we are showing the project that really we are focusing our effort on are long term in order to learn from it to learn new codes new behavior to get ready for it and then you know to see what kind of value could we create for the people for beauty for our brands so this is how it started like two and a half years more than two years ago yeah so it's been a you know a long time coming and more recently as i mentioned in the intro l'oreal launched nix's beauty dow gorgeous which sounds like the word gorgeous but it's spelled g-o-r-j-s and patrick you helped launch that as well how is the dow set up and managed and Having a DAO within like a massive corporation is like shocking to me. So what is that (laughs) process like since you started it? It, It's been (laughs) a journey. It was a (laughs) it was a big project, big undertaking. And like Mano mentioned, there have been a lot of really smart, excited, talented people working on it. There's, you know, teams across finance and treasury and legal, myself on the business side, marketing, social, like we have so many people, passionate people excited about it and just i'd say naturally curious looking to you know create new things and kind of like push the boundaries forward so i think the overarching goal was the same for everyone internally it was just to kind of like come together build something new and and cool and something that hasn't been done before but it's definitely been a collective effort but to your point like launching a dow yeah <laughs> was a huge undertaking especially you know coming from a, a massive company like l'oreal <laughs> And our ambition was really to create, you know, like the world's first beauty DAO specifically, which, you know, was a task in and of itself. But the important part for us was really creating a a platform where we're supporting creators, right? Because, you know, a lot of creators out there, especially when it comes to Web3, they don't have the skill set, they don't have the expertise, they don't have the means to, you know, like tackle some of those more boring topics like legal and regulatory and finance and tax and all those things that are really integral to launching a Web3 project. So we really want to do the heavy lifting there and allow the artists and creators to kind of do what they do best, which is create incredible artwork. Yeah, for sure. And looking at the DAO, I have some questions there. How are the votes portioned and what have the decisions been recently with the DAO in regards to the community? What have you guys voted on? What are people interested in proposing? Walk me through like the structure there. Yeah, for sure. So... Being the world's first beauty DAO, it might be even helpful to just start off by kind of explaining a little bit more about, you know, like the DAO itself and where it got started and and really kind of like, I guess, like our objectives in creating it. So like you mentioned, Gorgeous is a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, as most of uh, most of the listeners probably know. And really here, we're looking to accelerate the careers of Web3 creators. And so that's where our focus is. And our main goal is to, you know, like I said, provide them with opportunities and, and tools and resources that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise, providing them with access to capital, technology, partners, and community. So while the DAO operates through community votes, our goal, first and foremost, is focused on the creator and the artists themselves. Mm -hmm. But with that, being a DAO, obviously, it's important to allow the holders, the community, an opportunity to co-create. And so this is where, to your point, the community votes on what projects will be funded through the DAO's treasury. So that's really the bread and butter of how the DAO operates. It's really giving the community opportunity to vote on proposals and then artists get funded once the proposals are voted on. The DAO's treasury was first funded with the sale of the access pass. 
back in January. And this is where, you know, we were able to generate enough funds to fuel the treasury to then pay the artists up front in order to work on the the very first collection, the Genesis collection, which we named the Dream Vortex collection that dropped uh, a few weeks ago. Okay, got it. Uh, I was going to ask you if there have been any votes by the community that have gone against maybe what you or the others who have created the Gorgeous Dow wanted. That's a great question. Um, so far, no. Okay. But we are we are taking a very cautious approach. I would say that the gorgeous DAO is in many ways structured like a DAO, where the community votes on proposals specifically. This is where they have an influence over the artist's artwork and, and what gets funded through the treasury, like I mentioned. But, you know, being a large corporation as the founding team, we still, you know, need to make sure that we are maintaining some element of order, I guess, and structure in order to protect the integrity of what we're building, protect the integrity of, you know, the DAO and ultimately make sure that there are no bad actors out there, for mm-hmm. example, that, you know, want to take the DAO in a direction that that might be counterproductive to the overall mission. Yeah, no, definitely. So, so far, sense. no, but. <laughs> fingers crossed it stays that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed, yeah. Patrick, my last question on the DAO front is how do you see them playing a role in brands getting into Web3 in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of brands are hesitant, you know, when it comes to getting into Web3. Like Mano mentioned, we at L'Oreal, we're we're a team of dreamers and big thinkers. But, you know, the space is so new. And frankly, like nobody truly knows what they're doing, if I'm being honest. It's, It's true, right? And that doesn't mean that there aren't some, you know, incredibly smart, brilliant people working on these initiatives. Quite the opposite, actually. But the majority of the people working on the brand side have backgrounds, including myself, in marketing, e-commerce, media, and have only really recently began building in this crazy world of Web3 and NFTs and everything in between. And it can be scary because there's, you know, like a lot of risk when you attempt to create something new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure, there's like legal and regulatory and financial risks, but I'd say a bigger risk is reputational risk. And, you know, maybe even to some degree, I guess, like risk to our egos in a way. (laughs) Like, what do we do if we launch something and it fails? What if it's not successful, for example? Mm -hmm. And I think this is why, I guess, to answer your question, it's so important for us to have a test and learn mentality. It's the only way we're going to learn and understand the appetite for what we're building. And it's why we're leading into the creator economy, right? So as a brand, Nix's core competency is physical makeup, right? Like other brands, we make products, one can argue better than others, but at the end of the day, that's what keeps the lights on. It's what pays the bills. And we don't have an expertise in digital beauty and 3D artistry just yet, Mm -hmm. but there are so many talented creators out there who do, Mm -hmm. right? And by leaning into them and their expertise, we can grow our own expertise in an authentic way. And when you approach it that way, it becomes a little less scary. And so I think that brands looking into getting into the space and for those who are hesitant, they just need to do that. They need to approach it in a way that's authentic to them and their DNA, because that's what makes it a little bit easier. That's when it all clicks. And that's when I'd say that's where the successful projects really are born. Yeah. And I don't think that's just exclusive to people outside of the industry who are trying to get into Web3. We see this with crypto companies as well. Coinbase launched an NFT marketplace. And personally, it didn't really do that great. And you would expect a company like Coinbase to whatever they launch just turn into gold because they are the second largest exchange. But it's also, as you mentioned, Patrick, understanding your audience and what they want. 
So I have a question for both of you in response to all these products and innovations. I know some of them launched recently, so maybe there's not a ton of data out there. But what has been the response like from your consumers and what is the feedback you've been getting from these initiatives? So I would say that generally speaking, all our initiatives, the feedback are pretty good. We haven't been, you know, really bad feedback, no. We were sometimes, you know, challenged because um, it needs more consistency or they want, you know, to know more about what's next and so on and so forth. But bad feedbacks, I don't think so. Sometimes we have some challenging, you know, uh, feedback from the community, take the gorgeous community because <laughs> right. uh, sometimes, you know, we cannot drop the time we announced before because mm-hmm. we are facing difficulties. So obviously there is some frustration from the community, but like really backlash no not yet and i we pray for that and then we do think that the approach so far was not uh, that bad but because we stayed through you know to every time we are launching a project we are staying true to the value of the brand the dna and trying the maximum to stay authentic to the community that we are discovering that we are entering we are super involved about that again test and learn is all about what we are doing so far and without, you know, saying that we are the experts, but because it, this is not true at all. So far, so good. Yes, yeah. feedback are right. so far pretty, you know, good on the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, from the community standpoint, the feedback is all positive. Obviously, you know, there are ups and downs. And to my nose point, when certain things are delayed or we have technical difficulties, there is a little bit of backlash, as there should be. And, you know, it, it holds us to a higher standard and, and you know, continues to set the bar higher and higher as a large brand. Like, you know, that's something that we owe to the consumer, right? To make sure that we're delivering fail-safe product and technical products. And that's what we'll continue to strive for. But what's been really cool to see is just like the positive sentiment from the artists, right? So as a creator DAO, we're balancing how we're catering to the community from uh, the NFT holders, the Web3 enthusiasts, and that part of the community. But we're also obviously, you know, very much focused on supporting the artists. Mm -hmm. And it's a balancing act. The artists have, you know, responded really, really well. They've just shown so much enthusiasm in in what we're building. And I think that's like been the coolest part to see. Awesome. Yeah, there's no one size fits all to anything, even if you think you got it down 100%. Like, you know, some creators may feel one way, consumers might feel another, even the company itself might So I totally hear both of you on that. So with that, we are going to move into a segment that we call the rapid fire round. And for those who do not know, Patrick, you said you've listened to the show. So maybe you know this. (laughs) I will ask you questions that you can just reply yes or no, one word answers. It's a way to get some like fun, quick responses from you too. And since there's two of you, I will direct it at one and then the other and then maybe both. We'll have fun. Great. All right. Okay. So, Patrick, I will start with you. What are you more interested in, NFTs or DAOs? DAOs. (laughs) Both of you. Are the brands and companies you speak with more focused today on Web3 or AI? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real... Honestly, both. Yeah. Because AI is a blur for Web3. Honestly, both for me. I'm sorry, but I got to go with both. All right. All right. Cop-out answer, but I'll take it. Uh, Manat, has it been expensive for L'Oreal to get into Web3? Depend on the project. <laughs> okay. Both of you are stuck on a desert island. You have food, water, etc., whatever you need. But you can only bring one product from the L'Oreal brand. Which brand and product are you bringing? That's a tough one. <laughs> I do think that like SPF from <laughs> Vichy. Okay. 
I'll bring my Kiehl's uh, underarm deodorant. Okay. That's like, those are reasonable responses. I think I would have said like some ridiculous makeup product. (laughs) All right, Patrick, do you think most consumers understand NFTs? No, I don't. (laughs) I think there's a big learning curve. Okay. Well, this will probably answer my next one for you. What about DAOs? (laughs) (laughs) I think the concept around a DAO is a little bit easier. So I'd say closer, Hmm. actually. Okay. That's not the response I was expecting. Hmm. Manon, are most brands afraid of integrating Web3? Yes. And then my last question for both of you on this round is, which L'Oreal brand has seen the most success with Web3 integration so far? I mean, I have to say Nix, right? Nix. Right. Okay, fair. And following the rapid fire round, I asked if most of the brands are afraid of integrating Web3. That was one of my last questions. I'm curious if you can expand on that. You said yes. So what is the sentiment there? And like, what is the evolutions you're seeing? So I would jump into this one because one is a question about education. Mm -hmm. Web3 is super techy. Mm -hmm. And it can be, you know, you can be scared at the beginning because it's new world, new technologies that were never seen before, that were not classic. So past the educational side, I would say that now you can see the complexity. For example, in every big brand or corporation, you know, you're very decentralized because you have, yes, one headquarter, but you're working with some countries, mm-hmm. businesses and teams. But Web3 is decentralized. So it means that it needs to be managed globally. And the approach of that, I mean, in terms of governance, partners, ecosystem, tools, ways of working, it's absolutely different. And every brand are facing that. You know, even in the U.S. brands that want to operate this way, it means that you need to target even people that are in Asia. And it's not the same way internally to manage that. So it's very scary when you see the complexity. So as soon as you've raised, you know, awareness, education, and you're finding the right project with the right approach and strategy that is meaningful for everyone. I mean, yes, it's scary because, again, we are all testing and learning, but at least, you know, it's a motivation for testing new stuff Mm -hmm. that maybe will transform the organization. And going off of that question, one of my last questions for you, too, is how do you see other big brands getting into the space? Would it be through similar routes that L'Oreal has taken or will it be different? Like, what will we see in the future, say, within, you know, the near future of a year and then maybe five year timeline, 10 year timeline? What is it going to look like? (laughs) Super tough to answer, honestly. In order to predict what will happen next, I have the feeling that, you know, like every month. It's okay to, yeah, make fun predictions. They don't have to be set in stone. (laughs) No, but I do think that my gut feeling, and it's, uh, I would say, personal, is that one, Web3 will really go into the loyalty because Web3 is all about engagement. Now that the speculation is over, the market, you know, we are ending this beer market wave soon, so... Now it's time, you know, for building and now time for maturity that will come at what speed we'll see and AI, which would be a real game changer. But I do think that loyalty, this is where a lot will happen. New ways to engage with super fan community, core community. Should it be transactional? Should it be to reward some behavior? Should it be for co-creation? We have seen some projects that are super interesting that everyone is following so far. Should it be Starbucks, Nike, Adidas? 
So loyalty obviously would be changed within the, the few months. And another stuff that we are looking for is that Web3, I was, you know, quoting uh, uh, like my God, <laughs> it's all about playability, community and creativity. And what's super interesting to observe is that like centralized platforms, games, for example, are taking these codes of Web3 and implementing these within their mechanics in order to create new engagement with community. For example, take a look at Roblox. Roblox is definitely getting inspired like from, you know, some codes of Web3 and there is other big players. So I do think that in the future, platforms in general that will, you know, bring community together will also take these codes of Web3 in order to interact, to create new stuff at what speed, again, I can tell because AI would be a real game changer, but uh, this is where I'm seeing the near future. Cool. Patrick, anything you want to add on that? No, I mean, I agree fully. I just think it's important for us from now until, you know, I, I mean, for the next several months to just not remain in this, you know, echo chamber that, you know, brands can sometimes find themselves in, right? We we sit in an office mm. and we talk amongst each other and of course look at what other brands are doing. We have our inspiration. A lot of times we can or tend to get caught up in what we want to do and get lost in that and, and forget to actually look at how the market is shifting. Obviously, even the NFT market is changing a lot. And I think it's important for us to continue to adapt and you know evolve our projects, evolve our strategies to meet the needs of the market, the consumers and, and the community, regardless of where it goes, right? And in the spirit of Web3, we can't as a big brand, continue to to think that we can control that outcome. And so that's what I just think mm -hmm. is important for us and other brands to continue to do is just stay mindful of shifts in the industry and, and adapt accordingly. Yeah, definitely. And to wrap things up, I feel like you two have dropped little tidbits of this, but I always like to ask our guests, what would be a piece of advice? And in this situation, what would be your advice to brands that may want to get into Web3? My advice would be like, first, you can find the greatest agencies, studios and partners and you need them. You need these new ecosystems around you in order to enter the space. True. But the best way to get started and to put, you know, to build, you know, your strategy is to experiment it yourself to create, to try to code your smart contract, to run upon the wallet, to buy an NFT, entire community. Because if you're not doing that by yourself, you will not be able to understand how does that work. And this is for now a small community, but super proactive community, super interesting. So my advice is do by yourself at the beginning in order to understand. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you can build your project. Yeah, I agree. For me, I would say just continue to stay curious. I think that's like one of our, our biggest strengths. Um, you know, I like I mentioned before, I'm naturally curious and I'm continually inspired by, you know, new technologies and innovations. And I think that brands need to continue to to find people and talent that is equally curious in order to move and propel the brand forward in Web3. Awesome. Well, Manon, Patrick, it was a pleasure. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you, so you so much for having us. We'll be back every other week with interviews with top players in the crypto ecosystem. Catch us on Thursdays for interviews with experts in the Web3 space. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and the stories we talked about can be found in our show notes and be sure to follow us at chain underscore reaction on Twitter. 
Chain Reaction is hosted by myself and produced by Yashad Kulkarni and Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>